Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Chris, you said the gastro pubs, they're all a closing down. Tell our American friends what a gastro pub is and tell us why they're all closing their down. Well, after the after the smoking ban in the UK, because I don't know what that's like elsewhere in the world, but the um, you know, two thousand oh god. When was it? About 
how much of that is going on waste on staff and it's not very profitable business is it and then covid hit and now they're completely decimated yeah well like you know for me um my first like three or four houses were pubs like pubs were a big part of my family's kind of way of operating through life so to kind of get to the point where there aren't any just kind of is quite sad um you know, is, uh, we should probably state there that your family have run a number of pubs, haven't they? <laughs> They're not. I know you're from the Midlands, you see, so that's why people might get confused. We're yeah, I didn't mean teachers. they're alcoholics, although half of them were. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, they were making making money. One is the pub trade is really hard to make money in. Mm. So like you really need to have a gimmick or a particular pull for clientele like in the olden days like you say they were a community hub so yeah. that was on a sunday you'd have two or three local football teams would come and they would you know you'd have chips and butties after after the game the sunday league kind of games had finished and right. and they'd all end up there and it was that kind of that's how a sunday afternoon went and you wouldn't eat you wouldn't eat your sunday lunch till about six o'clock um kind of thing it was part part and parcel of kind of just being in that kind of world um so yeah it's it it was a big part of life and then when the smoking ban happened that kind of decimated them covid's then happened since then um and now yeah i don't know what will kind of survive you know which ones will survive I know like even the big nasty chains like Marsd, you know, like Marsden's Brewery or um, Weatherspoons, for example, of I think they've put a list out of something like 400 pubs in the country that they're just axing. Yeah. Um, Marsden's are at least putting all theirs up for auction. So uh, I think a lot of those potentially could be bought out by your small independent breweries and things. Because mm. um, it kind of felt like there was a bit of a revival a couple of years ago where suddenly you'd got um all these kind of little independent breweries kind of popping up where they got yeah, micro breweries in the back yeah where they were brewing on site in small batches um and a friend of mine built a gin business in the last couple of years like you know there's definitely a different kind of relationship with alcohol these days mm. than maybe was had before um, you know, not to go too much into the history of it, but, you know, they started off of part of, <laughs> I was watching a really interesting little mini documentary thing on YouTube the other day about how um, long before hops came along, yeah, um, beer was something that was made and was quite heavily spiced mm. and was the trade of women, really, that would... Um, you know, if they had bakeries or they made home a bread at home, they would use kind of the leftovers to make these kind of um, top up money yeah. income. And you just go to a local town. And it's partly why all these weird ales and things have strange names is mm. because they would have a gimmick. So it might be a woman with a witch's hat on yeah. um, and like, a, you know, dressed up as this kind of a gargoyle -y kind of grotesque but she was just selling off 
her kind of spiced wares um and then kind of the witch hunts came along and that kind of disappeared um yeah. and then in in replacement for that you had the hops which suddenly beer was something completely different <laughs> so well i mean with regard to making beers and stuff like that i mean back in the day it was safer to drink beer than it yeah. was to drink water so that is what you actually did you would drink uh, more beer than you would drink water because the water wasn't very you know healthy and we didn't have indoor plumbing and such yeah um but then it was also not as high alcohol in terms of proof on that no it wasn't about the alcohol was it it was about having something tasty to drink mm. um whereas you know pub culture is very different now it's about getting as hammered as you can as quickly as you can but yeah at least for the youth um whereas i think it's with the gastro pub change that kind of changed the culture of how we used pubs mm. um they become more of a family institution yeah. um which i suppose is closer and in, in kin than with um how my memory of pubs was when i was younger um but yeah I don't know in terms of the business of it i don't know what they'll do um i think it would be nice to know they all went to that kind of microbrew end again where they kind of become these little independents with all their own way of doing it mm. i generally think that's probably the only way because you know the cost of actually running a pub these days with the charge the amount of money breweries yeah. charge ridiculous um you know, your bear. You know, most of your income is coming from um, the other things that you do mm. than necessarily selling alcohol now, and that's just to kind of keep your head above water and pay off um, the um, the brewery. But yeah, I don't know. I kind of I hope it will go in this kind of microbrew way of kind of going where places specialise in a you know, a gin or, or a, a whiskey or, or whatever, and they'll become more individual identities. Mm. I just think there'll be a lot less of them. So you've talked about gimmicks and stuff like that. One of the biggest gimmicks with regards to pubs is that I don't know quite how many most haunted pub in the UK, <laughs> how many actual pubs claim that, but there's more than one and there should really be only one most haunted pub in the uk <laughs> surely you know yeah but you could have the most haunted in somerset and then the most haunted in they don't say that they some of them do <clears throat> like i've been to like the most haunted pub in wales and stuff like that and then there's ones which but there are a number of them that say the most haunted pub in the uk and that is like who because <laughs> i mean how would you test that they have these paranormal nip nitwits that go in is it the most amount of um dust flying around yeah, I mean orbs. Sorry, most amount of orbs pictured or something like that. How how do you judge what's the most haunted? I don't know. The would you would you think that that most haunted is most active, or would you say the most number of ghosts? Mm. Um, like you know, is it a sardine can and you'd like as many as you can get in the better? I suppose it would have to go on paranormal activity, wouldn't it? So. But, but then surely I, active works on on how how much of that they can sense, which is good. What, 
or measure. If you want a gimmick for a pub, then why not create a pub that is the most passively haunted pub in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, a, 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 one of those uh, paper beer mats levitates. <laughs> but once every five years when someone leaves one of the doors open (laughs) yeah um i i like i like the concept yeah i i don't know i don't know how how they'll survive if they survive Mm. um so i went uh we had one open up um a new pub open up on our in our village um and it's a micro bar. Right. So not a micro brewery, a micro bar, which essentially means it's one small room with a bar in it, which oh, has a capacity right. of about 20 or something like that, mm. um, where they turned an old television shop into, into a bar. Um, and I think, to be fair, some of it, something's brewed or whatever on site, but it's not a micro brewery. So it's a micro it's the, a micro pub the bbb the bristol bear bar could that fit inside that or is it even smaller than that because that's literally Ooh. the size of a, a sofa <laughs> and there's a lot no. of pubs like that you find around the center of bristol there's bigger ones but then there's also these tiny little ones which literally they are like uh, a phone shop counter in tesco's or something like that is literally just yeah. a till bar and then three bar stores and then that's it yeah no it's a little bit bigger than that it's got a handful of little tables i reckon it can fit about 20 people in there so all of these pubs a lot of them are again sold at auctions such like that i mean some of them are quite cool looking and historic and there's not going to be a huge amount that you could do a lot of builders and uh, property developers would probably turn them into some sort of apartments or maybe like uh, old people's homes or something like that. But I think a couple of them might make for quite interesting witchcraft shops. Yes, potentially. Because they're very old. They've got a lot of history to them. There's probably going to be cats and piss bottles. Uh, sorry, witch bottles in the uh, in the walls and such, isn't there? Well, That'd be interesting. It's funny you should say that because I haven't mentioned this to you, Liam. But one of the ha- one of the pubs that may be going up for sale mm. um, in one of the lists I had seen was the Crooked House, oh, which is the one by me, which actually is yeah. one of the, you know, haunted places in Britain. But more is interesting on the basis that the house is crooked. It looks like an actual um like fairy tale <clears throat> witch's house, doesn't it? So that the crooked house really would make the most wonderful witchcraft shop, but because mm. um, it's dizzying to walk around, mm. um, because nothing, <laughs> nothing is where it should be. Um, but I imagine that place will eventually just crumble and fall down at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't know. It would be nice if some of them were used and kept their names in some way, shape, or form, in the same way that a lot of banks have closed. Oh, yeah, they're all turning into these, like, cafe bars. Grand yeah. Um, there's one There's one in the high street I've always wanted, but um, right opposite the clock, in the, in the kind of central courtyardy kind of bit of the whole town. Um, but no, I like... 
I would like to think they get reused mm-hmm. um, or something happens with them. Uh, I think partly, I sometimes am a bit um, conspiracy theorist about some of them because they're also quite lucrative plots mm. of land. Right. Um, and sometimes I wonder if these things happen in order so they can be flattened and suddenly build a load of houses on the site. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it is these put, these buildings are out of date, you know, outdated and need serial, uh, serious structural work. But mm. I don't know. Well, pubs and magic go way back, don't they? Because in, in a lot of spells and stuff, particularly within folk magic and that, are grave uh, dirt from the graveyard, you've got dirt from outside the pub and such, you've got dirt from, like... Uh, courtrooms or courts and stuff like that, like the Crown Court. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, it's a big part of heritage that has been a massive thing and not really nowadays uh, with the younger generation and such. It tends to be all like clubs and such, showing my age now, aren't I? But I've always preferred a pub. I like a pub and I do like food as well. Mm. I don't know. I there is a part of me that misses clubbing, mm-hmm. um, but then I look at kind of other parts of Europe and think of all those kind of bars and restaurants in kind of catacombs and yeah. um, those sorts of spaces that are just kind of like they're quite they're very cool. Um, these kind of underground, um, interesting spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I do love pubs, and I'll always will. Um, even if there aren't any left. Um, but we'll see. So the failure of the pubs very often, it has to be down to a lack of innovation because there's a simple idea with the pub. And I remember, because we're both old enough to remember when a lot of pubs didn't serve food. And yeah. that there are a number of people that ran pubs and said, you know, I won't ever serve food. We don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. And then they yeah. end up having to because that's the only way that they can make a profit. And it's normally the same old kind of chips and burgers and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the pubs you wouldn't necessarily want to eat in. <laughs> there was a particular one in Moreland, which you wouldn't even want a pint in that one. It was so disgusting. <laughs> and I only went there because I got paid to go there to fix a fault on Somerset levels floods and uh, I got to see behind the scenes and I got to see in the kitchen and trust me you would not even want a pint in there it was so fucking disgusting but anyway <laughs> pub electrics are one of the worst types of buildings they're just how the majority of them don't burn down I don't know as for the paranormal activity with the flicker and lights like well if it's in a pub you know that it's going to be dodgy <laughs> shit you know um but anyway, lack of innovation, really. So this is something that's probably dying out, I think, primarily for a lack of innovation because you really need to innovate and change what the pub is and it needs to go back to, in this day and age, being some form of community centre, which there are community centres in villages and towns and such like that, but they don't really innovate. They don't really do a lot. Some of them might do a Zumba class. When I think of the cemetery like Arnas Bell, the amount of innovation they've done for a fucking cemetery mm. is quite a lot. It's quite substantial, you know? But we don't get those sorts of people that seem to be taking on 
certain things that are dying out, like the pubs and stuff like that. And to a certain extent, even hotels with hotel B&B and all that, they, they should be starting to get a little bit more innovative and such. Do you think this is ever going to happen in regards to what we could go into now, which is like more witchcraft shops and occult stores and stuff like that? Because I've known quite a few of those that go bust because people start them up and then they don't really know anything about business. They just bought buy a load of shit from AliExpress with pentagrams on it and expect to be able to sell that incense pentagram candle burner incense burner for like 50 quid which you know you can't um and could that be the next thing to die thanks to mr bezos and such um potentially which i don't think is also uh, you know totally the worst thing ever um i must say like with the the death of pubs i do worry about the death of moots yeah. um because finding spaces that are for free or yeah. cheap um are very quickly disappearing mm. to the point of actually well at what point are is a space going to be provided for community because mm. like you say churches don't really do it anymore church halls really struggle um unless they've got a kind of um a good um wedding kind of set up that they're set up and geared like I remember a few years ago trying to arrange a, a get together for like a Christmas do or something like that um, and really struggling to find a social club um, that could act that was actually kind of affordable because mm. um, I'm somehow surprised how some of those still exist yeah um, because of how little they do like you say even attempting to do a Zumba class mm. or something like that would be an attempt so I don't know. I wonder what's going to happen. I know part of it's down to the fact up until COVID, and I think actually COVID's been a really positive effect in some ways. Um, it may have helped kill off the pubs, but I do think more and more people have been trying to come together to do things mm. um, a little bit more often than was probably happening beforehand. Um because people have realised what isolation really looks like um, and have started to push a little bit in the other direction. I just don't think enough people do. Mm. I don't think there's a big enough community of any kind. Um, and I think the witchcraft community is even, even worse because most people are quite happy in this kind of solitary, um, don't, need to, don't need to experience other people or other mm. people's craft. Um, but then we've commented about moots before, haven't we? About the fact that actually, you know, we both attend really amazing moots, um, but then we also attend other really shit moots. Um, and again, yeah. lack of in innovation is often the problem. Well, I don't know. I think it's a lack of brain cells being able to rub together to spark an idea sometimes. <laughs> some of them but there we go i mean with regards to back in the day i mean the whole moot thing and stuff like that you if you were interested in the occult you'd have to go to somewhere like that you know you yeah. couldn't really go knocking on the door of a secret society because you wouldn't know they existed but <laughs> you hear about certain things in a pub and all that kind of thing you get chatting to people at the pub because it's a community or oh, what are all those weird cloaked people doing going upstairs oh that's the moot what the fuck is the moot you know that kind yeah. of thing 
you would start to involve yourself that way. And same with the bookshops as well. You know, you can say that about bookshops when you look at, um, oh, is it Pyramid Books? Or is it Atlanta? Can't remember the one in on Museum Street in London. That's Atlantis. Um, yeah, Atlantis, that's it, Atlantis. Um, they obviously used to host what is essentially a moot and stuff like that down in the basement. All of these sorts of things nowadays, they're online. So does that mean that, because we know for a fact that these kind of things are kind of dying out, aren't they? They don't seem to last for very long and the calibre of people that go aren't people that really have much of a hope that it's going to really last. And yet magical folk, they don't really seem to be all that bothered with it. There's a lot of talk about, oh, it's a bit of a shame, it's a bit of a shame, but there isn't a lot of actual effort being put into saving any. I mean, we have a moot down in Bristol, uh, two moots technically, but it's one big kind of open circle moot just takes place on different days. Um, that meets regularly, but there are certain, there are bits of pieces of magic that's there to keep that alive. So why are a lot of the moots not including magic in keeping their survival and such, or are they, or is there not enough seekers or what? Where is this lack of community in person? And I'm going, because you can go on Reddit and there's shitloads of fucking idiots. But where is the people meeting up in person? Is that not something that the younger generation and that really want, maybe? I don't know. Mm. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I think, I think to a certain extent, we've become more and more insular. Um, and we don't interact with people in the same way that we used I well I feel like we used to but again maybe that's us showing our age mm. um of where clubs happen and as in like groups societies and group groups um because I, I see kind of both ends like you've got the really really little kids um and thanks to a lot of parents um, I don't know if it's like this down where you are, but up here, um, they're all doing like Sunday football leagues and and all that yeah. kind of, you know, they see they're very well socialised. Mm. And I wonder if it's because there's been a lack of it for a while. And now suddenly a load of those have now reached the point where they're parents and they're suddenly going, I need to socialise my kids. Um, like as a reaction to the fact that there isn't enough out there for adults to do. Mm. Um, and then questioning whether or not actually do people just not want to spend time with other, other grown adults? I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know what the fix is to it either. I just, I do worry for the community as to will they outlast what's currently going on um you know we're quite lucky our, the pub that we do our moot in um is a proper little old man's pub yeah um which is funny because it's called the widders which actually means widows huh. um because it was originally set up by two widowed women um who actually built you know had the first the pub built so, you know, it's a little old man pub that's kind of got two tiny little rooms, little shoebox rooms. Um, 
and the beer is awful. Um, so I drink all the bottled stuff because I don't trust what coming comes out of their taps. Um, yeah. It's one of those. Um, but, you know, they've made a real effort over the last few years and, and have really refurbed the inside. And hopefully that means they're going to, inv you know, get more clientele. But we're quite lucky. We meet in the middle of the week, um, once a month, and we are probably one of their good finance days because um, it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm. So it's not like it's passing trade or, you know, you either know the widows is there or you or you don't. Um, but it survived two calls already. So, you know, maybe the, maybe those two widows did did some work in the old days to make sure it would still exist in a few hundred years. I don't know. Well, work did often get done for things like that, but I think a lot of it tends to be linked to the building itself because there's a lack of foresight into, well, the pub's always going to be needed. It's the building we have to worry about. And then you get this old pub, which is just standing. How is still standing? Who knows? But it is still standing, but it's, no one wants it. No one wants to take it on. It's like an old lady that's wetting itself in the corner. You're like, I suppose we should do something with that, but let's turn our eyes away for now. Anyway, that's it for the regular edition of the No Holes Bar Witchcraft podcast. You can join us on Patreon for the extended edition where we'll talk about all sorts of other witchy shenanigans and such. So, Chris, what other witchy shenanigans have you got to talk about? Because we live in an era of keyword searches you see i watched a documentary about porn the other day and it was always about titles back in the day was like exciting titles but now it's all about what you can type in google and gets you mm. your specific box ticked let's say yeah so, so instead of having once thing. upon a time you'd you'd have a snazzy um a snazzy title or it would be a gimmick of sometimes like yeah. you know I don't know, slut wars or, yeah. um, you know, there's something about Mary's Mary's Twinkie little brother. Like, you know, there'd be some kind of um, some kind of gimmick to grab you in, whereas now it's kind of like, you know. There's one cup nowadays. That's what it is. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Dirty blondes. <laughs> dirty, dirty blondes. Um, Dirty blonde fucks her brother, that sort of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then this is, is this what potentially the problem is with magical communities and such? Is that in a time where we're used to keyword searches and stuff, something like a social moot or a social thing? It's like, mm -hmm. what sort of social is it? Who's going to be there? What do you mean people from different paths? What do you mean we've got the Jews mixing with the Christians again? We can't be having that. <laughs> Well, the other thing is, like, I remember having a conversation with uh, with my lot last month um, because um, a load of people had been poorly. There's a load of bugs going around. So there was only about half half the people that are normally there. Yeah. Um, and there was bus strikes and, and, and all that kind of stuff going. So, like, physically getting there was difficult for some of them. Um, but we managed to get a group together. And I went, oh, you know, we put this list together of what we were going to do each each month back at Christmas. Um, maybe we need to post that on on Facebook or whatever. And two or three of them turned around and went, don't do that. 
um, because then once you provide a menu, mm. people start to pick what they do and what they do and don't want to do. Right. And it was like, we've got a plan. We know yeah. what's going to happen. They either turn up or they don't. And I was just kind of like, oh, actually, it was like a rejection of marketing yeah. Um, in the hope that that actually would create more buzz. It was very interesting to kind of think about it kind of from a socio-psychological way of kind of going, actually, the mystery of it is more of a pull for some um, than knowing what was going on. Because what yeah. happens when we post about what we're going to do, if it's if it's catchy and kitschy, you suddenly get a load of people you know if we did a, a session about poppets yeah you'd suddenly have a load of first timers turn up mm. and that's really boring for the rest of us true i understand what you're saying completely we've had the same complaints at our moot sometimes and you just and you just kind of like well actually you can't do right for doing wrong really because you either want a, a nice a nice group of people that because we had one again just after New Year. There was all this snow. And then so there was a smaller group there. Um, and everyone turned around at the end and went, this was really nice. Um, we've had yeah. some real conversations and everybody's actually spoken. Um, whereas we've had times where we've managed to cram almost 30 people into into that small room that shouldn't take 30 people. Um, and you've not heard or spoken to everybody um, because there wasn't time mm. because we've got a load of gimmicky first timers because I think we were doing, I think I was doing an intro to spellcasting session okay. um, and they all turned up to make their fucking charm bags. Yeah. Do you know the kind of make and take sessions mm. that you're like, well, do you want, lots of people or you know it's a quantity versus quality That's argument you're always having because because nowadays it's all about quantity isn't it it's all about how many instagram followers you have this that and the other but then that normally just because that needs to translate into cells so eyes and clicks and views and stuff needs to be in the hundreds of thousands for you to be able to make any money out of it or for it to be seen as worthwhile whereas the old-fashioned kind of coven structure was all about well if we can get five people to work together and have scintillating, interesting conversation, ritual and such, that's excellent. That's really yeah. good, you know? Whereas with the moot and stuff like that is actually, that maybe that is where we need to go in terms of like a community and such. I mean, if we look at our community, our community has only gotten better from taking the two, three to four, I don't know how many hundred people we had on the Facebook groups to now on our own platform where there are far less people because we haven't advertised it and we haven't necessarily invited everyone over either. <laughs> and yet the quality of the posts and such that people are putting on is seems to be a lot better. People seem yeah. to be engaging. But is that because of the people that we've rejected? Or is that because it's something new and people don't know how to behave? I don't know because I kind of feel the same with the kind of moot is my worry is that you need you need numbers to pay for things these days yeah so if you suddenly you know to, particularly with the decline of the pub um 
and the spaces at which you can be in the impact of that is then oh do you need more to keep something alive because mm. you need the finance coming in obviously we don't have that problem with the, with our community um i think the qualities come from the fact that partly um you've taken all those others away um it's felt like a safer place i think for right. them to have certain conversations they probably weren't liking to have in front of 300 people they're okay they feel okay to have them with 30. i don't know hopefully they'll all comment about this after this podcast goes out but um you know part of it thinks maybe it's partly that i think the other part is it was brand new like you say yeah. and are they just wanting to populate it at the moment um i think part of it's there because i think they're quite a lot of people are quite grateful that we've created this space away from facebook mm. um because that's the only problem with kind of facebook um you know because we were clever about it when we were marketing in the first place you yeah. know witchcraft was in both of those words witchcraft is the word everyone's going to search for which means that we're going to get a load of trash come through um luckily we've given them that can't carte blanche to scare the trash off yeah um in both of those spaces so it's been interesting but i don't actually know what the answer is i must say currently obviously the community has been restricted to those that are patreons and those that are uh, mentees of ours mm. which means you would hope that their caliber is higher than the others um well at least we can guarantee that they're doing something yeah however that might not translate into sharing what they're doing no and i i do kind of i do kind of worry to a certain extent is the whole idea of the creating the community was for it to become kind of self-seeding yeah. um, and self-perpetuating uh, which doesn't always happen and, and never truly happened on witchcraft live like it has little bursts mm. um but people are often far too scared of being judged um yeah i think that's partly what it comes down to isn't it and i'm just kind of like well just share even, yeah. you know even if you're just sharing a picture of a really cool place you've just been like a cemetery or i've just found this really weird place or this weird shaped tree like to me that is that is better than 600 memes um mm. or a, or a poem you've written or do you know what i mean like i just kind of like even just that visual stimulation of going i went here what do you think um is a lot easier for people to engage with than necessarily i did this really obscure bit of magic um none of you have an idea what i'm talking about and i can't share it in a decent and i can't articulate it enough in an interesting enough way for you to yeah. engage in Whereas I'm kind of like, just dump the photo on there with a kind of vague idea of where you were going or what you were looking for. And I imagine you'll get 30 people talking about it in a way that they weren't talking about, you know, um, your thoughts on a particular kind of spirit. Like, because not everybody's going to be able to engage with that particular pantheon or whatever it is. Um but they can all engage with a photograph of a creepy place yeah. um, or an overly wonderful looking 
uh, waterfall in the middle of nowhere, like, um, because they would be able to engage with that because they'll all engage with that in a different way. Mm. I even kind of miss the ones when occasionally someone would put a random reading up um, with no explanation, just a photograph of cards, um, (laughs) and they all start speculating. Yeah. Um, Like, I miss those kind of things, really. Um, But I don't know. It's their community, and I think often that's a bit that's, I think, forgotten, Mm. is we create content elsewhere. The community's for them. So this is episode 142, right? If we carried on and then stopped recording, if the last ever No Holes Bar Witchcraft podcast episode was 150, right, and there was no more after that, Mm -hmm. do you think the community would just collapse? Maybe. Because I think it probably would. And that's the... Might have made friends and such like that, but I think overall the community would probably collapse. Yeah, I think they would probably stop. I don't think they'd stop speaking to each other um, Mm. because they quite frequently break off into these little groups um, for different projects. I think um, um, Will had written something a couple of weeks ago about, you know, he loves the kind of ebb and flow of how groups kind of pop up and then suddenly disappear and then something else happens and then a new little group pops up, um, do some things together and then they they all disband again. Um, And that part of it makes me really happy. I do wonder, though, if we drive too much of the conversation um, with things like the podcast or, you know. Maybe. I mean, it was supposed to make people feel like they're not the only ones that want to have, you know, talk at this sort of level, which is still beginner level stuff. It's just not the drill sort of bullshit beginner stuff that you find on Amazon wish lists of many many neo-pagans but it is one of those things that you kind of think well our podcast and what we talk about and stuff like that it does give them a language to a certain extent there is a theme in that you know have you listened to the latest edition of this what did you think of that this is my opinion on that and other people innately know because they've listened to the podcast what that person's talking about whereas if they were to just go on and talk about their own work it's very difficult for others to follow along with it unless that person who's posting really is really really good at communicating and stuff and we've tried to explain to people very basic concepts you can't use the same example for everyone because english it seems amongst all english-speaking people is not universal yeah which I think is why I like the times when they just post an image of somewhere mm. or an image of a, a set of cards or the an image of a sigil or like a doodle of somebody's working out. Because actually in that, there is more potential for you to, and more um, brain teasing mm. to happen for the people actually looking at that. They're more likely to engage in something that hasn't been um, talked at them um, because you're already kind of you know when someone writes a really nice post however nice the post is there are some people that are too polite to disagree yeah um, and therefore you kind of like well I don't want to 
I don't want to dis, you know, um, disencourage the person that's actually writing written that, but at the same time, I don't really agree. And then what tends to happen, which is what I do hate, is they'll go and have that little discussion amongst a group of people, mm. um, rather than having that conversation publicly. Yeah. Um, so then this little click. That wasn't it. I mean, you, you have the person who's talking up the front or the main conversation, then you turn to your friends and bitch about it. <laughs> so it's just the online equivalent of that, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. And I just, I don't know. Um, but we talked about this a few times now, not, not so much necessarily on the podcast, mm. but kind of a, about what purpose does different parts of uh, Thoth serve at this point um, and whether or not it is all of value or if we need to ditch some of it because the problem is often you know they'll say oh no 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 don't stop doing that thing um, but if you're not seeing the engagement following it it yeah. does make you wonder whether or not it's worth doing um, I don't think we'll stop no holds because um, I think this is kind of fucking tell them that. Come on, They're you know, like riled up, and then they'll start posting and shit. Well, and they should be doing that anyway. Well, they um, should, but you know what some people are like. So, what's probably scarier for them all is the consideration that we might never do a Fausti again. Oh. Um, yeah. That that will terrify some of them into a complete frenzy, um, but you know it's one of those things of kind of like what's worth doing, what's not worth doing. Um, yeah. Luckily, we are not talking. Going back to the pubs, I have to say the non-book reviews I thought would go down so much better because all of these fucking neo-pagans in the cultists are book mad. And yet, uh, an entire series just talking about here's a book and here's what's not in the book, what should be in the book, you'd have thought would go down really well. But now it just goes to show you, doesn't it? So the stuff you think is going to be popular, the popular stuff's just bitching. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think ultimately people like Fausty because it's, um, they. I imagine lots of them feel superior because we really do yeah. uh, we really do break it down um, yeah. and make fun of witches that don't know anything so when they do get all of what's going on and everything that we say um, I think that probably allows them to feel a bit more superior whereas a lot of the stuff that we say in this podcast goes over people's heads and they don't like to admit that which yeah. is probably the other reason that we don't get the content from them that we mm. expect and that's because they're scared that they misunderstood us. Um, well, it is quite interesting because there's, there's like in terms of the demographic and that, there are a couple of different listeners and stuff like that and people that interact and such. And you've got the people which are quiet, but they understand and you're not really saying anything that they don't already know, right? So you've got those people, which is what the No Horse Bar Witchcraft podcast was intended for people like that originally. Yeah. Then you've also got the people that are, you know, actively working and trying hard and they don't have a huge amount of experience and such like that. 
Uh, but that gives them the opportunity to actually have something like Fasty Witches where they can say, well, okay, personally, I might not be a very advanced. I might not have a huge amount of, you know, background in the occult. I might not have had huge victories and such like that. But at least I'm not like those fucking idiots waving their crystal dildos around. And that gives them an opportunity to feel good about themselves. But also sometimes taking a look back, because we've met a number of people that we've mentored at this point that used to be that sort of practitioner. They used to be the sage smudge stick buying. Uh, crystal dildo waving idiots with all of the Llewellyn books, but that never did anything. All the gear and no idea, as they say. Yeah, and yet, all the gear and no idea. That, like their practice nowadays is extremely unique and is their own, and they're doing exciting, weird things that they themselves are coming up with. Aside from the homeworks and such that we we set, they themselves are coming up with things that aren't written in a book anywhere. They've seen something, they've wanted to do something or explore something, and they've got off their ass and attempted to do that, which is great. But, Nell, is there anything that you're uh, working on at the moment? Because you said something about bath salts and such. Were you doing that? Um, yeah, which is not um, a euphemism for meth, before any oh. of you get worried. Um, they're actually, we are talking about actual bath salts. Um, of so the yeah, I'm kind of playing with a kind of, oh, I suppose. What's doing? Sorry. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Okay. They can't see the hand gesture. That basically means ignore what I just said, doesn't it? It is a mess. Oh, okay. Um, it, no, it's not meth, kids. It's not meth. So, you know, part of it, um, part of it for me is, is kind of that mundane seeking magic aspect. Um, if we took, kind of talk about, we talk about cleanses and we talk about kind of introducing magic into your everyday life mm. as a proper form of protection um, is actually to kind of cleanse and, and detox as often as possible um, and often as necessary. And I think kind of providing some very basic recipes of possibilities might, first of all, give them an opportunity to spend some money with us because, you know, uh, got to keep the lights on luckily we don't own a pub um and have to get rid of our our lovely pub space um because people aren't buying enough beer um well we've got know. to keep you in a constant supply of red candles haven't we exactly exactly mama needs her red candles yeah. um so yeah so it's it's kind of part partly it's that it's about actually okay well, clearly enough of you aren't talking about the various little, um, you know, um, beeswax rubs you're using or or what kind of salts and stuff you're preparing. So I'm just assuming that none of you are doing it um, because you're not talking about it. So my, that's, thing. that's my new rule now, I think, right. is going to be a case of, well, I'll throw one out there Um and until you give me a better version of it, I shall keep throwing out that shit again. Um, so I'm going to just assume none of you are doing it. Create a product, a product for it. Um, when it sells like hotcakes, I'm going to be like, ah, so you weren't doing it, even so though we've been telling you for a year. They should be making their own. <laughs> or what I really like is when they buy things and then they attempt to reverse engineer the formulas and go and make their own. I really like that. 
Retailers aren't supposed to like that, but I really like that. I like it when people rip off our products. Well, there's a reason we leave the formulas available online. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on, make a better version. That's the whole point. Yeah. We put this stuff out here so you can try it. Don't take us at our word. You know our word's not trusty, trustworthy. We're Fausty. Um, you and know, you're the Fausty, yes. Which exactly. Liar. Look, you know? his nose is getting bigger and bigger as just as he speaks. Every time he opens his mouth, his nose gets bigger. And then when he Rude. closes it, it starts shrinking again. <laughs> I'm just going to say, because everybody can't see me, um, that's not my nose, Liam. Oh. There you go. Give them all something to think about. <laughs> so the um... drop then. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just and I don't feel like I that every every episode we throw down the gauntlet all the time about these different di various different concepts. Some of them we re revisit a few times because we talk enough to them all to realize people aren't getting what we're talking about um or need some further explanation so we revisit it in a different way and throw the gauntlet down again um and you know obviously the ones of them listening that we see on a regular basis we have those conversations that go well you know that podcast we did three weeks ago that was for you um and we can have those kind of conversations whereas i don't think they always get that the gauntlet has been thrown down and i don't know if it's just too scary um for them to pick it up because they're in some way shape or form intimidated or if it's a case of um you know not didn't even see the gauntlet went down because that's mm -hmm. the bit that scares me more is that they're not necessarily scared of it um but actually they just didn't see the gauntlet go down it clanged and everything and nobody noticed So talking about patrons and creating content and stuff, obviously we encourage them to talk to us about stuff that they might enjoy and stuff like that. But if you were to, off the top of your head, think about if you were to create a podcast episode or a title or a topic or something like that for a specific Patreon, but they didn't or have not requested it, what would that topic be? Do you have someone in mind? Just throwing stuff out there because you think, oh, that person really needs to benefit from that. Anything spring to mind? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Um, the obvious ones always kind of go because they're the ones that upset everybody. Um, is that that phrase I hate um, about shadow work? Oh, because it doesn't matter how many times we've talked about shadow, solar um planetary selves all of those things seem to have gone over certain people's heads mm. um and then the other one that quite frequently comes up um is kind of the possibilities with runes that go yeah. beyond the divinatory yeah because some people like they're dabbling with them but they're still not engaging in what's actually supposed to be the engagement point I feel that a lot of people, when they when they dabble with the runes or they play with runes or they try to explore them, explore them in a way that they feel they're supposed to be. 
yes. exploring them. They're not led yeah. necessarily by the runes or the energies that are there. Yeah. They think, assuming that they're not buying a book or anything like that, but they think, okay, so how do other people teach this? Or how would someone else expect me to work with them rather than thinking I'm going to explore this new thing think of the runes as you know literally something that needs to be explored unmarked unknown territory and such and create your own way of working with something like that rather than oh okay let me try and cobble something together that's based on what I'm seeing other people do which is a bit of a shame when people do that but that's only natural I think yeah I think I know that it's an obscure thing mm. and that obviously the only things that are out there written are about the divinatory mm. um is where but the bit i the bit that myths me is because we always talk about it in the same way um and i don't understand why this is missed is we talk about it as a magical language yes so we we quite you know, every time we talk about it, we talk about this magical language that is. Now, anybody that knows anything about language understands that it has nuance. Mm. And, you know, 300 people could all be talking the same language and none of them understand each other. Like, that is how diff different magic, um, how different language is from person to person, because it's a mixture of signs and symbols and understanding and mm. um and all the experience you bring to that moment is all part of language yeah. and how you can manipulate language so trying to explain to people that the runes work exactly the same way they are a magical language i don't understand what is so complicated about that um but it's missed however many times we talk about it and i sometimes wonder is it is it because what we say sounds so correct that there's mm. no question of kind of going, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Like, so they don't explore. Yeah. I, I sometimes wonder maybe if it's us and that because we are so confident about the answer we give, um, even though in the same podcast we could give 30 different answers to the same question. Well, that is the attempt, isn't it? <laughs> um you know why is that not picked up on and then kind of explored um whereas i think some people just take our word as gospel which is not the intended process um well, yeah words are and communication language and all that kind of thing is often it is ascribed to mercury and hermes and that you know that mercurial thing communication and such but so is travel and communication and language and stuff is an escape it's a convey it's a vehicle for energy to be moved transmutated and, and various other things like you literally look at very old forms of spellcasting like the spoken words and such like that if you were to take something like every single emotion there's a word aside to it like love you know is a word that is attached to an emotion if you speak that the word you can convey that to someone else you can even impact them 
like when someone yeah. says to another person that they love them and stuff like that and then their heart little heart melts and shit you know all that kind of thing there's a certain amount of magic there but that goes over the head of most people they don't think about okay an escaping of air can just do that but within a lot of basic witchcraft practice there is a simple mechanism and a lot of energetic components to that that's why i did that fucking war charm video and yet people skip over things like that because well it's probably the most <laughs> i don't have a war that i need to get rid of it's like no you don't understand you're using language understand really yeah, yeah. think about language and what the fuck it is and how you it's the most it. misunderstood video i think we've ever done possibly i don't know about that but <laughs> because i think it's so bleed you know it's so bleeding obvious i think that it's missed i think it's Isn't hidden it? in plain sight um, you know, and just to expand your, your kind of comment a little bit more of, you know, language is situational mm. um, and has its its kind of nuance that's created by its lived experience. You know, for example, the Eskimos, um, which Inuits, whatever you want to call them, um, those people that live surrounded by snow all the time have 30 different words for snow. Like, mm. you know, if you are entrenched in something yeah that allows you to notice more shades of that particular color um you know and and therefore you spend enough time in one particular area of magic mm. you'll have such a built-up language for it yeah um and what i don't understand is um often about particularly about the runic question is the fact that we have a person in in our menteeship and in the community that does speak the language of the runes mm. um and even when he explains shit it just goes over people's heads and they're yeah. just not they're not listening to the words that are being used they're not understanding the language or the allegory of what's going on and actually bathing in that energy long enough to kind of go ah that's what he meant yeah words and language are super powerful uh, from a magical perspective and yet super simple you literally you breathe in you suck in the oxygen it oxygenates your blood it literally travels throughout your body marinating your own energy and then you exhaust it through your words your words are an exhaust right there is energy literally escaping from your body which you can program and you can make those words and i think we're both quite good at this make those words cut like a scalpel in a very mundane way but they can also do the same energetically and magically and yet people don't think about any of that but there we go that is it for this edition of the no holds barred witchcraft podcast goodbye and good luck i suppose <laughs> Have we might be back on the episode it wasn't just all about pubs and drinking was it that was just the first 45 minutes we might be back we might not we'll see yeah we might be back we might not goodbye <laughs>